Well, today we celebrate the memorial of St. Leo the Great, of Pope St. Leo the Great, and I'd like to draw your attention to our first reading. This is Paul's epistle to Philemon, and uh, it's a very interesting situation here. Philemon has a slave uh, by the name of Onesimus, and uh, Philemon is a, a member of the Church of Classe, um, and that's in kind of like Asia Minor. And Paul is writing the letter from Rome. So he's overseas, kind of far away, and he's in prison. It's around the year 62, 63 AD. And uh, Paul seems to be pretty confident that he's going to get out of this prison, as this is not an altogether undisputed issue, but uh, probably historically Paul was released in that first imprisonment. He got out of jail. And he went on to evangelize even further west as far as Spain. And he made it back and he did some more, you know, traveling around. But then he, and then he was eventually imprisoned a second time in Rome. And that's when he met his, uh, his martyrdom, his death. But in any event, this is his first major imprisonment in Rome. And, uh, Onesimus from overseas, He's writing to him. He's got this slave. I'm sorry, Philemon. He's writing to Philemon. Philemon's got this slave, Onesimus. Onesimus evidently has run away from Philemon. Philemon's a Christian. And Onesimus, while running away, has also stolen some money from Philemon as well. And uh, the commentators say we don't really know why or how exactly Onesimus and Paul get together. I mean, how does that work? Paul's in prison, Onesimus runs away, and next thing you know, Paul and Onesimus are in contact. How do, I, my feeling of it, this is a guess, a total guesstimation on my part, is that when Paul was out in, you know, back in the East, and he was in Asia Minor, and he was establishing churches, he established this church classe, he evangelized, he, in the gospel, begot this, this man Philemon, uh, Philemon was very dedicated, loyal to Paul. Paul would spend a lot of time in his house, in Philemon's house. And uh, probably Onesimus observed the kind of charismatic authority that Paul had and the influence that he had over Philemon. And so uh, Onesimus runs away, takes some money. He's having a good time probably in Rome. He figures to himself, I'm going to get caught. And the penalty... At that time, for a runaway slave, was death. Okay, if the master wanted to, see, you know, press charges, it would be death. So Onesimus knows his his days are counted. So he goes, Ah, I'm going to go to Paul, <laughs> get some help, a mediation. I think that's what he what happened. So he goes to Paul, who's imprisoned at that time in Rome, and um, uh, Paul, while also kind of advocating on behalf of Onesimus and getting him off the hook. And vis-a-vis Philemon, he converts him as well. He converts Onesimus as well. And so Paul's implication here is he says, you know, I'm going to send this guy back to you. I know you're not going to do anything bad against him legally. And the implication is you're going to free him as well. And so Paul, in a very um, deftly, skillfully written letter, um, he's demonstrating for us this amazing uh, power of influence and persuasion that he has um, with Philemon and and really influence and persuasion and power that he has to affect things in general 
all over the Mediterranean world. He establishes and he builds up the church of God, it, probably like no other apostle uh, had done up until that point, maybe uh, except St. Peter. And, uh, and he did it all being an old man, and here he is in prison. He's in jail. So it's amazing how externally, you know, and according to many human calculations, Paul is in a place of great weakness, and yet he demonstrates an incredible amount of power to influence and to persuade um, and to change things for the better. That's a remarkable thing. So where does the, where we always ask ourselves as Christians, where does our power to, to change things, to change the world come from? We look today to uh, St. Pope Leo, to Pope St. Leo the Great. He's called the Great, not for nothing. He was an incredibly influential, powerful man. And he was powerful in the time when the Western uh, half of the Roman Empire was crumbling, was falling apart. All the political structure of the Roman Empire in the West was coming to absolutely nothing, and all the Northern European barbarians were coming down and fragmenting the Western Roman Empire and pulling it to pieces and setting up little fiefdoms and little kingdoms. And there was no central authority anymore. The, the Roman emperor's power in the West had ceased. Yet there was one man who really became the de facto authority in the West, and that was Pope Leo. How did he have so much influence? How, much, how did he have so much power without armies, without guns and swords and whatnot? How did he have so much authority and influence. Uh, there's a story that Attila the Hun, um, uh, a great Mongolian uh, marauder, uh, head of a marauder band, marauder army, uh, came to the gates of Rome and was turned back by Pope Leo. Pope Leo came out, one man, against Attila the Hun with his entire army and had a little conversation with him <laughs> and persuaded him to turn back. How did that happen? Historians don't know. It's a mystery. There's legends that uh, when Attila the Hun came to the gates of Rome, um, Pope Leo met him and, and Attila saw the spirit of St. Peter hovering over Leo in a very imposing and intimidating manner and it kind of scared Attila the Hun. <laughs> but in any event, that might be a legend. Um, it's The facts of the matter is that this one guy who had no political authority turned back this very powerful, fearful, fearsome dude until the hunt. How did he do that? So we ask ourselves, where does that power to influence and to change the world come from if it's not through force? First of all, it comes from virtue. The virtuous man or the virtuous Christian woman has power and control within their own person. Their soul and their mind and their will is in control of their emotions and their passions. And they don't let their fallen nature get the best of them. But by God's grace, they have authority and power within themselves. And they're at peace and they're in harmony and unity. And there's an integral oneness within their own person. And from that place of power... They can begin to expand their circle of influence to their family members, to their friends, to their community. And if they're very, very great saints, it can, it can, you know, extend across the whole world and across ages even. There's no limits to the ability to influence others 
as long as we seek holiness and goodness and virtue. And also, I would say, I would add two other points. The ability to influence the world externally comes down to uh, optimism. This, the power of optimism is a power not of you know blindness, sticking your head in the sand, ignoring the bad things that are taking place. It's not what optimism is. Optimism is the power of perceiving what's truly good, what's truly praiseworthy, the things in the world that are truly uh, worth looking to as positive signs of God's uh, intervention in the world. And, uh, you know, you look at St. Paul, here he is in prison. He's in chains. He's got shackles. And yet he's able to look at Philemon and he says, you know, Philemon, I'm so grateful that you're so hospitable to all the saints. And I remember all the good things that you have done. How optimistic Paul was remaining. And that optimism leading to Paul's ability to persuade and to, to influence and to change things. Uh, and that was all in the midst of suffering. Staying optimistic. And then finally, the ability to remain optimistic depends on our ability to trust in God's providence, that God is in control of all things. Paul says something very interesting. He says, you know, perhaps uh, Onesimus has run away from you and you've lost him so that you might gain him back, not no longer as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. And so here is... Uh, something, you know, from Philemon's perspective that's bad that happens. And yet Paul is able to say, well, perhaps in God's providence that was meant to happen so that you might get him back no longer as a slave but as a brother in Christ. Isn't that better? So Paul is able to see uh, providence. He's able to understand and have faith and trust that all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So those are the, that's the way that we remain optimistic is by uh, noticing the truly good things in the world and by trusting in providence that nothing happens by random chance. Everything's meaningful, even if we don't immediately see what that meaning is. And uh, that power of optimism then makes us influential people in the world, um, people who can make a real difference, people like St. Paul and like St. Leo the Great, whose, whose memorial we celebrate today.